Welcome to this verse-by-verse Bible teaching from Calvary Queen Creek in Arizona with Pastor Jim Remington. We hope you're blessed by listening. Romans 10.17 says, Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. For more information, please visit calvaryqueencreek.org. Revelation chapter 4, if you're new or visiting, uh, we're going to cover one whole verse this morning. And so we are just cruising through Revelation. You can get the CDs. Uh, We don't rush through the scriptures because they are all pertinent. They're very important that we study. So, Revelation chapter 4, verse 1. After these things I looked, and again, if you're new this morning, this is John, the Apostle John. I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice which I heard was like a trumpet speaking with me, saying, Come up here, and I will show you things which must take place after this. Father, we continue in our worship of you as we look at this one verse. Every word is important, and we thank you and praise you that your Holy Spirit is going to guide us and direct us. I pray for the gift of teaching. And Father, as we've been hearing over the last several weeks, may we have a spiritual ear to hear what the Holy Spirit is saying to the church is, which we know are people, saints, as well as those unbelievers that come to a church out of religiosity. So Father, open the spiritual ears, the soul, to hear how much you love us and care for us, that you're with us, you will never leave us, you will never forsake us. Your Holy Spirit will comfort us and guide us into all truth. This is a win-win situation. No matter what happens in this world or this country, we are living right now as Bible-believing Christians a win-win situation. So, Father, bless the morning. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Well, we're moving into our next section of Revelation, Revelation 119. Write the things which you have seen. And that was the glorified Jesus in chapter 1. And the things which are, chapter 2 and 3, the churches, and the things which will take place after this. I believe that chapters 4 and 5 show us that time when the church will be raptured up to heaven and will be with the Lord for seven years during the great tribulation that's taking place on this earth, will be in heaven with the Lord, and what some have called the marriage supper of the Lamb. And so after these things... After being instructed on what to told the seven church, tell the seven churches, John says, After these things I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven. He is invited to come into the throne, literally the throne room of God, which is the city called the New Jerusalem. And he hears the voice of Jesus. We know this by him saying the first voice, which sounded like a trumpet, which we found in chapter 1, verse 10. You see, up to this point, we have seen the church referenced many times over the last six weeks, many times in this letter. But after this point, you will not find the word church or the church referenced at all until after the tribulation period has been ended and judgment has taken place. Now, People will, because this is something that that brings some confusion to some people because they hear about the Holy Spirit leaving. Well, you want to be careful. The Holy Spirit is still going to be here. I believe the Holy Spirit is still going to be here. People will still be able to get saved. 
There's the previous witness to so many family members left behind. I hope you're witnessing to your family members. They're going to look at you crazy, but that's okay. I think it's pretty crazy that UFOs now are taking the forefront. Oh, that's not crazy. Okay. That's demonic forces, by the way. That's fallen angels. People will still be able to get saved. There's a previous witness, as I mentioned. There's the two witnesses that will speak of God for 1,260 days, three and a half years. There's the 144 Jewish witnesses that I believe will be going throughout the whole world. And lastly, there's a flying angel. This is incredible. Read, read all of Revelation. There's a flying angel in the second half of the tribulation going forth to proclaim the gospel, the good news. That's not their responsibility. That's the only time you're going to find it in the Bible. That is not their responsibility. Whose responsibility is the Gospels? Yours and mine as Bible-believing Christians. It's our responsibility to spread the good news. But what I see happening in all of that is that God is a God of mercy. God is a God of mercy and desires none to go to hell. But he is also a righteous judge. And we'll see his righteous judgment on display very shortly in the following chapters of this letter. But the church... And the power of the universal church as we know it today is taken, I believe, and Calvary believes, out of the picture altogether. 2 Thessalonians 2, 7 and 8 says this, For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. Capital H, I believe that is in reference to the church. And then the lawless one will be revealed, the Antichrist. I believe that the Antichrist is alive today. I'm not trying to find out who it is. It doesn't matter to me. I'm not going to know. Read your Bible. You're not going to know, and I'm not going to be here, so why worry about it? I'm looking to the Christ. Keep your eyes on the Christ. Don't get into all the other nonsense. It wasn't JFK. It's not Obama. Just keep your eyes on the Christ, whom the Lord will consume. Notice this big battle here with the breath of his mouth, which would be the word of God and destroy with the brightness of his coming. Wow, big battle. And we need to understand that because I think many young Christians have this impression that it's Satan against God. It's Satan against God. Who's going to win? Read your, read your Bible. God's already won. Uh, the closest thing that you could come to is Michael the archangel and Satan, maybe comparing them because Michael is a fallen angel, a created being. Uh, Satan, I'm sorry, Satan. Michael is still in the heavenlies. And so... Don't ever equate the enemy with God. So, first and foremost, I really need to make this point. You do not have to believe, because we're going to look at the rapture this morning. You do not have to believe in the rapture to be saved. And you may not have even heard the word before, the rapture. Or right now, as you're hearing that, you might want to just relax, take in the scriptures, take in what I'm sharing, and ask the Holy Spirit to confirm what I'm saying or to not. But due to your religious upbringing, you might automatically just shut down. Oh, I know where this is going and pff, wrong. I would encourage you not to do that. I encourage you not to do that. It is a doctrine, but it is not a doctrinal issue for salvation. Very, very important. And it should not be a doctrine that should cause division in the body of Christ. There is only one church. Very important. As we approach this subject of the rapture, I know that in a group this size, that there are varying perspectives and opinions. That's just reality. 
And I'm not here to argue about a certain perspective, but to present to you what the Lord has shown me over the years via the scriptures and to let you know that this is a doctrine of Calvary Chapel. But again, you don't have to believe it to be saved. You don't have to believe it to come to Calvary Chapel. There are three views to the rapture or the removing of the church from the earth. There is the pre-tribulation, the mid-tribulation, and the post-tribulation. I'll let you do your own studies on that. And we, will, and we will all find out very soon, very soon, I believe, which one is correct. Again, the rapture is not an essential doctrine of salvation, so we can show liberty or grace to one another in this area, whatever view yours may be. On the other hand, the blood of Jesus Christ is an essential doctrine for salvation, so there is no liberty in that area, none whatsoever. You see, it doesn't matter if you're pre, mid, or post-tribulation. It's only by the blood of Jesus that a person can obtain salvation. So even after a study like this, we can almost anticipate that someone is going to come along to try to argue their viewpoint with us. You might just want to say, you know what, I'm not going to argue, but if you want to present it to me, present it to me. Show me the scriptures and, you know, I'll pray about it. Hey, what's wrong with that? It's scriptures. Pray about it. But don't argue about it. First thing to address here is the, this word that we call the rapture. You will not find it in your Bible. Matter of fact, you won't find the word Bible in your Bible. You'll also not find the word Jehovah or Yahweh. And many people right away say, oh, no, it's in my Bible. Um, it's inserted in your Bible. But if you do a study, you'll find that those words spelled out in your Bible in the original text of the consonants and there are no vowels, we added the vowels. So we really don't know if the words Jehovah or Yahweh are absolutely correct. So the first thing to make clear is that just because a word, and this is important, that a word is not present in the Bible, it does not negate the concept. You will not, and the Jehovah Witnesses will make an issue of this. The word Trinity is not found in your Bible. Just admit it. I know that. The word Trinity is not in my Bible. I understand that. Yet we see over and over again that the triunity of the Godhead, the triunity of the Godhead, the God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit are individual entities, yet they're uniquely one. It's an unmistakable concept woven within the pages of the Bible. The next item to address is that there is a substantial portion of the Christian church today that believes the rapture is a recent concept. Again, very important. You will hear this if you share with somebody, I believe in the rapture. You most likely will hear this. Well, you know, that's just a recent concept made up roughly about 200 years ago. In the early 1800s is when it's supposedly when it came out. There's also a substantial portion of the Christian church that doesn't even believe that there's going to be a rapture. Oh, you're one of those people that want to escape. Well, Jesus said, pray, pray that you will escape the things that are going to come upon this earth. So, yeah, I'm with Jesus. I'm praying for it. But the question is, who's right? How can, we, how can we come to know if there is going to be a rapture or not? Is this a recent concept? Well, Luke 23, 38 says this. And an inscription also was written over him, over Jesus, on the cross, hanging over the cross, in letters of Greek, Latin, notice, Latin, and Hebrew. This is the king of the Jews. You see, at the time of Christ, the Roman Empire ruled 
over much of the civilized world, and it's pr- one of the principal languages was Latin. As the number of Latin-speaking Christians grew, the Bible was translated into Latin so that the average Christian of that era could understand it. In 3382 AD, the Pope commissioned a scholar by the name of Jerome to produce a standard Latin text of the Bible. He started with the Gospels using the Greek manuscripts available. Since there were various Latin versions of the Bible at that time, the Pope wanted the church to have one standard version to promote the church's universal doctrine. And so we know that Jerome had the oldest Greek manuscripts available to him and that he completed the translation in 400 A.D. So when people say, oh, the scriptures have been changed and changed and changed, no, they have not. 1 Thessalonians 4.17 says this, Then we who are alive and remain, so that it be you and I today, shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. Now I underline shall be caught up. We're going to look at those four words, that phrase, shall be caught up. But notice we're going to meet them in the clouds. Very, very important to the study. So Jesus is at this point of this meeting, Jesus does not come physically to the earth and step foot on the earth. It doesn't say that. It says that they're going to meet him in the clouds. That's very important to the rest of the story. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. Now in the Latin Vulgate Bible, the Greek word harpazo shall be caught up. Harpazo, in First Lessons 4.17, was translated into the Latin word rapamur, rapamur, and it is from rapamur that we get the word rapture. So you can do your own research. Okay, so where does that word come from? So is the word rapture a modern-day term? Not at all. Not at all. And as we go back to the Greek word harpazo that Jerome used to translate into Latin, shall be caught up. Harpazo means to seize, to seize, to carry away by force, to carry away by force, to snatch out, to snatch out, or to snatch away. So when you look up the various scripture references for the word harpazo, there are 14 verses that this word is used in, and it consistently, and this is very important as you're studying your Bible, you should find biblical consistency to verify a doctrine. Biblical consistency, like water baptism. Do we need to get water baptized? You will see biblical consistency throughout in the New Testament. So when you're wondering if a doctrine should be a doctrine, you want to look for biblical consistency. So in these 14 verses, it consistently carries it with the idea of physically removing something. Physically removing something. So in 1 Thessalonians, you will find that this word was intentionally used by the Holy Spirit to show us that there was going to be a carrying away of the church, a snatching of the church out of the world. So again, this is not a recent teaching of believers trying to escape this world, but one that was introduced by Paul through the Holy Spirit in Thessalonians. When did Paul write 1 Thessalonians? Estimated 51 
to 52 AD. So is that a recent concept? Not at all. 1 Thessalonians 1, 9 and 10 says this, For they themselves declare concerning us what manner of entry we had to you, and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God. Do we have any idols in America? That is our calling, to lift people's eyes from their idols. One of the biggest idols is sports. The next big idol is music or entertainment. To lift their eyes from their idols and to do what? And to wait. To wait means to wait, wait for, with the added notion of patience and trust. For 2,000 years, people have been anticipating the Lord's return. And your mother or your grandmother or somebody else might mock you and say, well, you know what, they were saying that in my age and it's not going to happen, get over it. They were saying that about the coming Messiah and they missed Jesus. Those who had the word of God missed Jesus. For his son from heaven, notice what he says, from his son from heaven, and to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, who delivers us from what? What does Jesus deliver us from? What's the word? Wrath. Very important. Again, these little words I'm encouraging you to remember, you want to remember these words. Very important. From the wrath to come. Now, as you study First and Second Thessalonians, you're going to see that Paul makes reference to the Lord's return, to the Lord's return in seven of the eight chapters of those letters. That's a pretty high percentage for something that's a recent concept, not a recent concept. This was a young church, and it appears that Paul had only spent three weeks with them. Yet Paul focused their eyes upon what? The return of Jesus. Jesus is coming back. Keep looking up. Let's look at Titus chapter 2. Titus chapter 2. We have quite a few verses, so turn quickly. If you don't have a Bible, you can get a Bible. We'll give you a Bible. There's Bibles in the chairs uh, below when you look down. Need, your, need a Bible? Raise your hand. Somebody will be more than happy to give you one. Titus chapter 2, verse 11 through 14. The team always does a great job of putting up slides to help you find it, especially you young believers. You want to get used to your Bible. When they turn your phone off, you're going to be swiping it for a long time to get it to come on. It's not going to come on. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. The word men there, when you look it up, mankind, male and female. Teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present age. Righteously means just being right with God. Just be right with God. Not self-righteous, not I'm right, you're wrong mentality. No, that's pride. That's sin. But just being right with God through the day, looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people zealous for good works. So the exhortation for you and I today, yes, register to vote. Yes, vote. Yes, sign petitions. If you want to get in politics, get involved with politics. If God's calling you to do that, by all means, do that. But don't put your trust in that. That's not going to save you. That's not going to save people around us. 
There might be a temporary relief physically, but that's not going to save them for all of eternity. So we need to be involved. We need to be proactive. But always take them back to Jesus. Take them back to Jesus. Hebrews 9, 27, 28 says, And as it is appointed for men to die once, again, mankind, everyone in this room, the CDC got this right, Center for Deceit Control, 10 out of 10 people still die. They haven't messed that up yet. So Christ was offered once to bear the sins of many to those who what? Oh, you know, he's coming back. So what? Who cares? Now my neighbor's going to hell. So what? Let him burn. No, eagerly wait. Eagerly wait. To those who eagerly wait for him, he will appear a second time. Apart from sin for salvation. He's coming from heaven. There's no sin in heaven. So is this a new concept? Is this an... How about 1 Peter? Let's look at 1 Peter 2, 1, 13 through 16. 1 Peter 1, 13 through 16. You'll notice it's way back. Way back. 27 New Testament books or letters. 39 Old Testament. 1 Peter, 3, 6, 13, 1 Peter 1, 13 through 16. Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind. Be sober. And rest your hope fully upon the Republican Party. Oh, I'm sorry. The Democratic. No, the Socialist. No, the. Fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Guys, people have been waiting this for 2,000 years. And we are living in that day. Israel became a nation in 1948. Jerusalem became its capital again in 1967. I personally believe that's when the prophetic time clock started to tick. 60 to 70 years is a biblical generation. 67 and 70 years is 2037. Are we that far away from 2037? And that doesn't mean that it has to go to 70 or 80 years to happen. That just means that generation, the generation that lives within that 70 to 80 year time span. And when's the Great Reset? How far away is the Great Reset? Does anybody know? How many years? Huh, seven years. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. As obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the former lust as in your ignorance... You know the way you used to behave? Yeah, we, we don't blame the world for what they, how they behave. That, they don't have Christ. How else are they going to behave? They don't know any better. The border, they don't know any better. This is life. But not for you and I. Don't get caught up in it and conform yourself to a position. Conform yourself to the word of God. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Because it is written, be holy, for I am holy. I mean, here the Holy Spirit is writing this in the first century, guys. Not for you and I 2,000 years down the road. He's writing it for the first century church. And the second century church. And the third, and the fourth, and the fifth. It's applicable. How about 1 Thessalonians 4.17? I've already seen it, but I'm going to put it up again. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds. There is going to be a generation that's going to be caught up in the clouds. 
I personally believe we're in it. If I die before the rapture, I'm there. That's my rapture. Praise God. But somebody's going to be on this earth when Jesus returns in the clouds. And the church, that's somebody in, those, in the church, Bible-believing Christians, are going to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. You see, there are many verses in the New Testament that teach the believer, we've just read a few, to be ready for the eminent. And the word eminent means about to happen. For the eminent return of the Lord. And that's our exhortation, whether the rapture, whether you believe in the rapture or not. If you died today, are you ready to see the Lord? Get the rapture off the table. You're already formulating maybe in your mind, well, I don't believe it, I don't want to believe it, I got this verse and that verse. Okay, get that off the table. If you died this afternoon at 2 o'clock, are you ready to see Jesus? Are you ready to see Jesus? I mean, are you confident? You've got stuff in your account? Because there's going to be gold, silver, and precious stones. There's going to be hay, wood, and stubble. And I'm sure I'm going to have hay, wood, and stubble. Been living for the Lord for 45 years. I know I'm going to have hay, wood, and stubble. Be real. Nobody's perfect. But I hope I have a whole lot more gold, silver, and precious stones, which I believe I do. So what are you investing in? You have to ask yourself that person, what am I investing in? Am I investing in the kingdom of God? Because if you're not, you're not. It's all going to burn up. You'll get in. You're going. That's not the issue. But what are you going to take with you? Jesus even said, store up. If Jesus said it, I think we should take it seriously. He said, store up treasure in heaven. Just an exhortation. Now this brings up a question. When will this event, what I believe to be called the rapture, when is it going to happen? How about if we look at Luke 17? You see, people over the centuries have tried to come up with a date to no avail. Don't ever put a date on it. I will never put a date on it. I believe it's going to be the Feast of Trumpets, but I'm not saying it's absolutely going to be that. Jesus fulfilled the spring feast. God being a God of consistency, I think Jesus will fulfill the fall feast. First fall feast is Feast of Trumpets. I don't want to wait another year, but maybe he'll call me home off the roof. Praise the Lord. So... People over the centuries have tried to come up with a date. Don't do it. I'm not doing it. I'm just saying. He could come at any time. I'm just saying maybe it'll be the Feast of Trumpets. Jesus said, no one knows the day or the hour, but that his return is going to be as a thief in the night. Now, in the gospel here, he gives us a clue. And as it was in the days of Noah, this is Jesus speaking, not a pastor. This is Jesus. So one of the clues of the last days, days of Noah. So it will also be in the days of the Son of Man. They ate, they drank, they married wives. They were given in marriage. The word given there is continuous, repetitious action. So marriage, divorce, marriage, divorce, marriage, divorce, marriage, divorce. Until the day that Noah entered the ark. And the flood came and destroyed them all. Likewise, as as it was also in the days of Lot. So here's our second clue. Lot. Hmm. So we got Noah, and now we got Lot. They ate, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they built. But what was also prevalent in the days of Lot? Homosexuality. Homosexuality. But on the day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. So, even so, will it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. So you you don't need to be a Greek scholar to figure that out. In that day, 
He who is on the housetop and his goods are in the house, let him not come down to take them away. And likewise, the one who is in the field, let him not turn back. What is Jesus emphasizing here? Eminency, eminency. Don't worry about your earthly things. I'm coming back. Don't, don't worry about it. Remember Lot's wife. Read your Bible. What'd she do? She looked back. She looked back. Whoever seeks to save his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life will preserve it. I tell you, in that night, there will be two men in one bed. The one will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding together. The one will be taken, the other left. Two men will be in the field. The one will be taken and the other left. And they answered and said to him, Where, Lord? Give us a clue. Where? What's, when's this going to happen? So he said to them, Wherever the body is, there the vultures, the eagles, will be gathered together. I personally believe, whole other story, doing your own research, I personally believe that when we're raptured, we're going to fold our clothes, lay them on the bed with our shoes right beneath them, all nice and neat. I personally believe we're all going to die at that exact second. People are going to die. Bible-believing Christians are all going to die wherever they are. Their body's going to remain. And this is one of the verses that I referenced there. You might want to look at 1 Corinthians 15 and 2 Corinthians, uh, the end of 4 and beginning of 5 to get some more scriptures. Now, in the Old Testament book of Daniel, I believe that we do know the exact day that Jesus is going to return to this earth to establish the kingdom for a thousand years. In Daniel 12, 11, I believe this is in a reference to that. Again, I'm not going to argue with you. I, you know. And from the time that the daily sacrifice is taken away. Now, again, the Jews would have understood what this meant. Wow, daily sacrifice. That means that there's a temple. That, and the temple is in Jerusalem. It could never have been done until now. Israel, the capital of Israel, is what? Jerusalem. If they want to build a temple on the Temple Mount, they can do it. They own it. No, it's, no they don't. They own it. They allowed Jordan to oversee it, to keep away the battle, the war. Once the church is removed, the Antichrist is revealed, the temple is going to be built, built so quick, and daily sacrifice is going to take place once again. They have all the implements. They're practicing sacrifices right now. They have the priestly garments. Everything is in place. Never before in history has that been able to happen. Now it has. Oh, it's just coincidence. Well, keep thinking that way. And the abomination of desolation is set up. There shall be 1,290 days. Now, since we know the exact day of the Lord's physical return to this earth, what I believe is in reference to, again, I'm not going to you know, die for it, there must be something else that the Holy Spirit is representing here by the taking away of John into heaven. Why is this idea of the rapture so important? Why did the Lord even stress this principle? Well, let's think about it this way. Before I was a believer, if I knew that my parents were going out of town, and I knew they were going to be away for a long time, say they're taking a really long trip, I was a teenager. Some of you are already chuckling because you know. You have a desperate, wicked heart just like me. Party's on, man. I know when they're coming home. Party is on. I'll clean it all up and get things in order right before they come home. But until then, party is on. Well, how about the Lord's return? Would I be sold out now or would I say, you know what? I'm just going to, yeah, it's not a big deal. I'm going to do what I want to do. And, and I'll get right right before he comes because I know the day that he's coming. What's the rush of becoming more like Jesus? What's the big deal? 
There's plenty of time to get right. And you know there's Christians that actually think this way? Again, if you're going to die at 2 o'clock today, you still have that mentality? Now, I don't know that. You don't know that. So in other words, we're supposed to live without that mentality because none of us knows the day or the hour. The rapture should give the believer the sense of responsibility which will breed a sense of accountability. My finances are the Lord's. My time is the Lord's. How do I spend the time? You see, this pattern in the early church believers, the eminent return or the immediate return of Jesus to snatch away his bride, the church, it's not new, guys. It's a first century principle. Let's look at 2 Peter chapter 3. 2 Peter 3. So for me today, what should I be found doing? For you today, what should you be found doing? Busy about earthly responsibilities. You can kind of see that. You know, we want to take care of the church. So we're busy about earthly responsibilities. But more importantly, being more like Jesus. Heavenly responsibilities. Storing up treasure in heaven. 2 Peter 3.14 says this, Therefore, beloved, looking forward to these things. What things? Heaven. Heaven. Be diligent to be found by Him in peace, without spot and blameless. So this is the exhortation from me to you, for me and for you, rapture or no rapture, And consider that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation, as also our beloved brother Paul, according to the wisdom given to him, has written to you, as also in all his epistles, speaking in them of things in which are some things hard to understand, which untaught and unstable people twist to their own destruction. You might want to go home and read Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1 today. As they do also the rest of the scriptures. Do you notice something there? Peter, in the first century, is already equating Paul's writings to be equal with the Old Testament scriptures. That's pretty incredible. You therefore, beloved, since you know this beforehand, beware lest you also fall from your own steadfastness, being led away with the error of the wicked. What has taken place over the last three years? The pandemic. It's obvious. It is so obvious, it's sickening. You as a Christian, Bible-believing Christian believer, you should be sickened by what is taking place. Fear and control over the last three years. And it's only going to get worse. Be careful. Stay in the Word of God. The Word of God does not encourage control and fear in an unhealthy way. But that's what's taking place and it's going to continue to take place. But grow, rather, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You see, I will be held accountable for the talents that He has given me. 
you will not be held accountable for me. I will stand before Jesus alone and be held accountable for what he's given me to do. But you can reverse that. You as well, as a Bible-believing Christian, will stand before Jesus and be held accountable. Don't brush that off. Do not brush that off. The world will say, ah, don't worry about it. Do what you want to do. Don't listen to the world. Jesus said in Matthew 24, 42, watch, which means to keep awake. Watch, therefore, for you do not know what hour your Lord is coming. Watch. Again, if I died at 2 o'clock today, I want to be watching for the Lord. Matthew 25, 13, watch, therefore, for you neither know, you know neither the day nor the hour the Son of Man is coming. So I personally believe that when John says he was caught up to heaven, it's a picture of the church being taken off this earth prior to those seven years known as the Great Tribulation Period. Again, you won't find the church referenced after chapter 3 until the end of the book. You want to be here for it? Have a good time. I'm going to be in heaven. Last slide. And I just put down some figures. Over 8 billion people alive today. We know that fact. But I just put this down to make it easier. I've said this many times over the decades, so if you want to take a quick picture. Let's say that 1 billion are rapture, just to make it easy for math. That leaves 7 billion. Three and a half. Now this is fact, and the revelation, we'll get to it eventually. In the first three and a half years, three and a half billion people will die in the first three and a half years of the Great Tribulation. That's just the first three and a half years, because we have the numbers in Revelation. We don't have any numbers referenced to the last three and a half years, which even some Calvary pastors will say, well, that's really the Great Tribulation. The three and a half years are peace and safety. Well, no. Chronologically, that, that, that's not true. That's not correct. We don't have any numbers referenced. It could be way, 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 well, I can't say way worse because that would be all of the world, but it's going to be just as worse. So, guys, this is reality. This is reality. 1 Thessalonians 4, 17, 18. The music team comes up. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall also be, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. Haven't I read that a couple times already? Why do you keep repeating it? Well, here's the verse, verse 18. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. Now, if you knew that you were going to go further, you know, I'm a a mid-trip. Would you be comforted going through the first three and a half years of the Great Tribulation, knowing that half the world's going to be annihilated? Yeah, that's a lot of comfort. I can't wait for the Tribulation to start. We have no concept of that many people dying in that amount of time. We have no concept. Because why? It's the wrath of man, not the wrath of God. We do know, roughly statistically, that 100 million people died in the 1900s from war. 100 million people died in the 1900s from war. 100 million. Can we grasp that? Let alone three and a half billion in the first three and a half years. First Thessalonians five nine says, For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, 
Remember, it's going to be in the days of Lot and the days of Noah. Jesus promised that. But don't forget who missed the wrath of God. Anybody know who missed the wrath of God? Noah and his family. Lot and his family. It's a perfect picture of the church. It will be as those days, but Noah didn't go through it. He was in the boat. He was kept safe. Lot didn't go through it. He was pulled out by an angel, and his wife looked back. Where's your heart? Where's my heart? We're not appointed unto God's wrath. Revelation 6, 15 through 17. And the kings of the earth, the great men, the rich men, the commanders, the mighty men, every slave and every free man hid themselves in the caves and in the rocks of the mountains and said to the mountains and rocks, Fall on us, hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath, the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of his wrath has come and who is able to stand? Three and a half billion. Again, it's not a matter of you believe in the rapture or not, you're going to die. But I encourage you, search the scriptures. And allow the scriptures to transform your heart so that you'll live like it might be today. Because it might be today. Father, we thank you and praise you for the living hope we have. We're not appointed unto your wrath. And Revelation shows us your wrath being poured out in an ungodly world. A Christ-rejecting world. A world that is bragging about sin and endorsing it and encouraging it. Especially right here in America spending billions and billions of dollars to encourage destroying an image bearer. This is real, Father. We know that every single human being is an image bearer. They represent God, and Satan wants to destroy anything that represents God. So we are not, we are not surprised by his tactics. There's nothing new under the sun. So, Father, help us to be aware of what's going on around us, what's happening to image bearers. That we will preach and teach that they might come to know Jesus as their Savior. For there's only so much time left. The the clock is ticking. Use us, Lord, as ambassadors, your ambassadors, in our schools, in our workplaces, in our neighborhoods, at family functions. Help us to be available, Lord, to show the love of Christ in a Christ-rejecting nation. Use us for your glory, Father. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Thank you for listening to this teaching from God's Word. If you have any questions, would like to request prayer, or want more information about our church, how you can experience the love and hope of Jesus Christ in your life, please visit calvaryqueencreek.org.